Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. The Holy Spirit's come to impact us tonight. We are just on the other side of releasing a long-held prophetic word. I'm proud of CC and all that God has shown and spoken to her and all that he's telling us. And now it's time to, um, you know, I had this really cool picture. I sent it out on one of your small group texts that, have you ever went on vacation and you didn't pack your own suitcase? The kids will say yes, but Bailey's like, I, wait. <laughs> you know, one of the things about the mystery of God is that it's a mystery. You know, the more that I encounter His presence, the more I realize that I was actually okay to live without His presence and just have a form of God. But He came. And He intersected something in me that was so hungry. And that's happened to some of y'all in this room. It's happening to Vicki right now. God is intersecting a portion of her heart that she was afraid she didn't know how to let him in. And, and it's happened to you and 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 you. And it's happening because of the power of the Holy Spirit is greater than my hurt. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater than my past experience. The power of the Holy Spirit transcends everything that I could ever think of, every barrier, every self-protector, every firefighter, every name you can think of. It transcends it and it meets you where the love of God impacts everything you've ever known. And, you know, right now there is an empowerment going on I want to talk about tonight. You know, every month um, I release an uh, emphasis for the month. And it's not so much just to give us something to do. It's really every time it's always burst out of just the heart of what God wants to expand in you. And so, as you walk along with God, He He can do more in you the more that He impacts you. He can do more through you the more that I I have of Him. I can't give away something I don't have. You may want His presence, but until you've encountered His presence, you can only want it. But once you've encountered His presence, you have encountered something that you can tell someone else about and you can say, I remember when. Because I remember when. I remember when I didn't know him this way. I remember it. I remember the first person, you know, Pam and I have been seeing customers and remodeling for 30 years, but I remember when I stood in the driveway of the vice president of St. Anthony's Hospital, and I said, 
she's going to know God one day like I do. Because I knew after knowing her, she didn't know him like me. I knew after talking to her, I knew she needed God like I had God. And so it prompted me to say, one day. And you know what happened? One day. She met him. I don't know if she met him because I interceded and I prayed. I don't know if she met him because she had a stroke at 32 years old. I don't know all the reasons, but I know she found him. And she went to her atheist friend and she said, I think I met God. And her atheist friend said, you need to call those two girls because it's the same God they know. The atheist friend who was a brain surgeon. You want her operating on your brain, right? The girl who didn't believe in God. But she knew from the description that what she described, that's who we were. And see, that's what His presence does. It causes me to chase after something that feels elusive. You know, when I, I, um, I, have, I have a moving slide, Siwo, number four. Whenever I woke up the morning, I, had, I, I mentioned that I had this statement that came to me right out of sleep. When hearts grow cold, hit the space bar. Watch it. <laughs> Look at that. I did that right there. <laughs> lawlessness abounds. What is lawlessness? I have a really good description for you here. It says, it's a condition that occurs when a standard is not known or upheld. Now, as soon as I woke up, I thought... I think that's in the Bible. And so let's let's discover it, shall we, a little bit. Matthew 24, you want to turn there if you can? Or you can just look at me, turn there. Watch, I'm turning there now. <clears throat> in Matthew 24, it's, you know... I want to change your end-time theology, but I don't have time to do that tonight. So just know that if yours is messed up, I want to change it. But God wants you to co-labor with Him to bring heaven to earth. That's the simplest way I know God's designed to say over you. And you can't bring another message from a different kingdom to another place if you don't know whose message it is. You know, when Jesus said, go into all the world, he was saying, go do what I did. So what did he do for three years? He demonstrated what humanity can do. Now you can get all caught up in some sort of theology or eschatology, and it'll mess you up. But at the end of the day, you are designed by God for this generation. That's just it. I don't know if you wish you were born in 1940. Trust me, I've got some stories from my parents from 1940. You probably don't wish you were born there. Nobody in here is born before 1940, right? Okay. <laughs> Started having a panic. Thought Brandon was older than we thought he was or something. And he was just, I'm, 
I'm hoping to get a smile at him one day. One day, y'all are going to see him cracking up back there. And so my desire just in training leaders is to first help you realize your position right now, where you're sitting in this chair, in this house right now, was orchestrated by God. You thought you had some desire to do with it, but you didn't. You know, when I was talking to Tessa today, you know, Tessa was running around looking for something in the middle of the night, and she drove to the building we had downtown. She didn't even know there was a church there. Why? Well, she wasn't driving the car. You know? And so, in this story in Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about some end-time things. I don't really want to talk about that tonight because maybe it'll mess some of you up. But can we talk about what I want to talk about? He starts in verse 4. Now, Jesus is about to tell you the best news He's ever told anybody in Matthew 24. So here's how He starts it. At that time, because what they were saying, they were telling, show us a sign. Do you need to read three? Read three some other time. And he said, at that time, deception will run rampant. Is that happening now? Yes. So be aware that you're not fooled. Many will appear on the scene claiming my authority. You're saying about themselves, I'm the anointed one with all caps. I guess they're going to have that on their shirt and they will lead many astray. You'll hear of wars and revolutions on every side. I could talk about that, but I don't have time. More rumors of wars to come. Don't panic. Say, don't panic. Don't panic. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't panic. don't panic. Or give in to your fears. For the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen. Listen, there's systems going on in the world you don't even know about. But their destiny is, is sealed because they're not kingdom. So don't, remember I said a few weeks ago, we had those 15 earthquakes in one night. And we, there's all kinds of stuff I said about that. Remember? Verse 7, nations will go to war against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics. Huh and famines in place after place. This is how birth pains of the new age will begin. This earth is destined to be remade. God's not going to just look down with his little pinky and go and destroy the earth. It's going to be remade because that's where Jesus is going to reign. Yeah. Can you accept that eschatology, anybody? Yeah. Or, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. You are in training. Turn to your neighbor and say you're in training. I'm training you right now. Listen, if we were, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, one, one job that needs a lot of training is air traffic controllers. It's a very stressful job. And they go through a lot of training. I've had a lot of friends that are air traffic controllers and some of them, some that wanted to be and couldn't pass the tests because why it takes what they call nerves of steel. 
It takes an intelligence. It takes an ability to see multiple things. It takes an ability to adjust really fast. It takes an ability to say a bunch of letters and numbers together, you know, and stuff that doesn't make any sense, you know, right? Because what are they doing? They're keeping life safe. They're not flying an airplane. Okay? So, listen... You're learning and you're being trained to operate in the supernatural. It's much like air traffic controlling. There is stuff happening and there's stuff being said. There's stuff going on in the airways. How many know it's happening? How many feel like they are prophetic? Stand up if you think you're prophetic. This is great. So that means you hear stuff. Are you not going to stand up, girls? Okay, that means, there you go. That means everybody's prophetic. They just don't know it yet. Okay, sit back down. Way to go, Gwen. Way to, way, to, way to stand up, Gwen. Because why? God made you prophetic. When you stand outside the gate and you're like, well, I didn't go through that line, you're missing it. God does nothing on the earth until he tells his prophets. Have you ever heard of anything going to happen before it happened? You're prophetic. You may not be good at it. And you may be discounted. And you maybe don't want to be trained. You may want to just fly by the seat of your pants and just get it right every now and then. But that's what's happening. There is activity. There's lives at stake. The prophetic happens to save lives, bottom line. To to display or to sing. Have you ever heard them sing a song up here? And you thought of something they sang before you got here. Or earlier in the week, or they sing about something that just touches you. (laughs) In a deep, deep place, and you feel... Undone. We're writing a song called Undone. Easy, easy, easy. Don't get excited, I know. Because what happened, you feel like he knows you. When you come into the room and that's happening, that's a prophetic act. It's not just like we're like in there pulling stuff out of the hat. Well, let's sing about this tonight. Well, let's sing about this tonight. All we do is we just come in the room and we just focus on Him. And this is what I pray every time. We pray in the green room tonight. Not my will. Not my way. Your way. I yield. I know how to yield. And yielding means I don't know what's going on. Yielding means that what's in me is Him and it's trying to come out to you. It's not normal. It's not worldly normal. But in this supernatural air traffic controlling, you've got to have it. Because you're going to have to know stuff that he's doing. You're going to have to recognize him. You're going to have to know how he speaks. Or you'll fleece him to death. I don't want to fleece God to death. He's he's okay with that. But it's a sign of something else about me, not a sign. I mean, think, does he need us to do that? He would love to be able to say, 
And we go, okay. And so Jesus is talking about this new thing going to happen. So it tells you, and this is what he says in verse nine, you can expect, who's he talking to here? Believers. Are you a believer? Who's a believer? He's talking to you. You can expect, turn to your neighbor and say, this is an expectation you can have. Do you love it? To be persecuted. He's, he's giving you some signs of something. Killed. Hated. By all the nations. Because of your love for me. How do people even know you love him? Do you remember when you didn't want anybody to know you loved him? Come on. How many been secret Jesus lovers? Come on. Come on. It's a real thing. Why? We didn't know if they would accept us. It says, then, then many will stop following me and fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. Ooh. Many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away to the path of truth. Then... It says there, sorry, verse 12, there will be such an increase in the sin of lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. So listen, do you see the difference? I heard, go to the next slide if you don't mind. I heard this right here. When hearts grow cold, lawlessness abounds. Do you see it's reverse of what he said? It says, but hold your hope firmly to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. And here's our kicker verse. Through it all, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. So this is what it's the same. When all of that stuff starts happening, it's a sign that the reality of God, that the demonstration of the reality of God is going to explode. Yes. And can I tell you, that's right now. Yes. That's happening right now. Do you want to be a part of that? Yeah. Do you want to be a demonstrator? You know, when you go to Costco <laughs> or Sam's, I don't shop anymore, but I've got shoppers, right? that love to shop. I have people that like to go to Costco and Sam's. I'm like, no. <laughs> they have food there. Samples of food. How many have ever bought what you sampled? Why? <laughs> you liked it when it went into your mouth, right? How many have bought something that was yucky when you tasted it? Clearly, clearly there's, clearly there's no standard there. What's my point? Whatever I'm serving up. So when I see somebody, if I tell them the same story they're having, a pre-believer, what are they having? What's a pre-believer always having? Pain, trouble, 
no answers, devastation, anxiety. If if they say I'm having what's in what's in epidemic proportions right now? Anxiety. That's fear. So if they come and they say, I'm having so much anxiety, and I say, me too. I've just served them off my plate. So then translate that. When Jesus said go, (laughs) go in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I have to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit changes my experience with divinity. And I don't leave the house ill-equipped. Otherwise, I'm serving up the same thing they're serving up. And guess what? It doesn't change anybody. Have you ever hung out with someone who had a lot of anxiety? Anybody? Did you become less anxious? They, I got a phone call the other day from someone. And they described a particular anxiety but it was something I have never thought of. And I thought, am I going to be afraid of that now? Why? Because it was just a suggestion. Right. Right. It had never entered my mind. Right. That's right. And see, that's what, got, that's what got served up to me. And so what did, what did I have to do with that rock? I had to do something with it because it served up an opportunity for me to believe a narrative that was not supernatural. And see, that's, that is our opportunity every day. Can I flip the narrative in my own life about me first? Like if you're still hating on you and hating on your body and acting like you wish you had some other skinnier, fatter, taller, shorter, non-curly hair body. I don't know what you got going on. (laughs) That's just one level. Then if you're like, oh, well, you know, I missed it back there when I was 17. Everybody missed it at 17. That means it wasn't it. (laughs) I don't even know a human doing the same thing at 35 they did at 17. Why? Because 17 wasn't it. It was 17. 17 isn't 35, whatever age you are. And so when Jesus, see, Jesus was so confident of what he was leaving the disciples, he was able to give them horrific news knowing they wouldn't be shaken. Because he was saying the thing that's persecuting you the thing that's going to be shaken, the thing that's going to go away, it is destined to go away because it's not kingdom. And so we should be happy when relationships don't work that weren't kingdom. We should be happy when something needs to change because it's not kingdom. We should be excited when we hear some news about some company going down that wasn't kingdom. Why? Because it's shaking. You're not even doing the shaking. You see, my narrative about the shaking is kingdom come. Right there in that place that's getting shaken, kingdom come. Kingdom, get right in there in that spot. Get right in there on that mountain. I prophesied 27 years ago that the mountain of education was changing, that the public school was going down. 
I prophesied that. Why? Because it was going down. Because why now? It is so corrupt. And think about you were in that school. Think about how how do we get out? (laughs) Have you ever wondered how you got out? But see, it shaped us, and we have so much narrative from that instruction that we're having to change. It became fixed mindsets. It became minds that were unrenewed. It became ways, diagnoses. I read a whole thing the other day about HD, that, and what it's really about. And I was like, where was that when we were popping? What were we popping? Ritalin or whatever. Listen. It's what happens in society is that we solve a problem with worldly understanding. When there's a air traffic controller way going on all the time. And who are the air traffic controllers? The prophets. Start calling yourself what God says you are. Listen, in the Old Testament, Elijah is a famous prophet. And what happened to Elijah? He had a throwdown with Jezzy, right? Jesse wasn't there. Who was there? The prophets of who? Baal. Right? I don't have time to preach on this, but let me just give you this little nugget. Um, and so what did he do? He had a throwdown with him. What, what did he do in his throwdown? He did the whole fire thing, right? Fire is good. Throw it come down. It'll burn. It burns. We know fire burns. So, And what did he do, though? He mocked them. Nana, nana, boo, boo. That's what he did. I burned your stuff up and you can't burn up my stuff. That's what he did. Jezebel was not there. It says in the Bible, when she heard, she said. Well, he wasn't with Jezebel. How did the message get to Elijah? See, the one thing that's different in the Old Testament than in the New Testament with prophets is that in the Old Testament, there's no covering. In the New Testament, there's a covering. What's it called? The apostolic. You're welcome. And see, in the Old Testament, since there wasn't a covering, who told Elijah what Jezebel said? Someone close to Elijah. See, if you're a prophet and you're outside the covering, someone's going to pass information along from the enemy that's going to rob you of your calling. And there's going to be somebody close to you. It happens to every prophet I've ever seen. What, what happened to Elijah then? What did he do? I'm a champion. I'm a champion. I can do it. I'm a champion. I'm a champion. What did he do? I'm going to die. God, where's a juniper tree? I'll go lay under it. And I will die here. My favorite part of this story is that he had to run a long time to get to the juniper tree. Did you know that? It wasn't around the corner. And God fed him and kept him. And he said, run back the same way. You're going to have to run back wherever you left. You know, the sad kicker of the story, he said, because I got your replacement. Mm, I don't want to hear that. Because why? He will have a replacement. Why? Because he has to have his way. 
He has. This is good news for you. Listen, you just, you've got to remember, you've got to be under a covering. You've got to be under something that stands in the way of the message of the enemy to where you can stand in your position and deliver the word of the Lord. I think Elijah got a little cocky when he started mocking and his friends. I mean, can't you see one of his best friends going, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tell him Jesse's going to kill him. Because I know that'll scare him. Now, what was, who took his place? Elisha. And what was he? You know what it says about Elisha? Every miracle he wanted to do, he performed. He learned his lesson, right? And see, that's, that's what we have to do. This is the generation where the apostolic and the prophetic, what, is the, what did Jesus say about them? It's the foundation of everything, the culmination of everything that Jesus stood for is based on the foundation of the apostolic and the prophetic. Listen, 30 years ago, the apostolic had not been restored. So, of course, the prophets were crazy. I went to the crazy prophet church. Is anybody, did anybody go with me? No? Just a couple people? It was crazy. There was no covering. One day they were up here and they were prophesying. And the next day... You didn't know where they were. They were inconsistent. Why is a prophetic inconsistent without a covering? Mm, come on, some of my good ones. Come on, why is it inconsistent without a covering? Yes, it hears everything, and it doesn't know how to put it into a plan. See, the apostolic has an architectural plan. The prophet's in there. The pastor's in there, the teacher's in there, the evangelistic. I mean, if you, if, if you, back in the day when the evangelistic was restored, they went everywhere. They were all over the place. They didn't even know they had a family. They just went everywhere because that's what they were. They were just evangelizing, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Right? And their families were home going, what about us? See, the apostolic brought order to all the gifts. And what are the gifts about? Restoring the works to the saints equipping the saints to do the works of the ministry. That's the whole point. That's why it's exciting that we're in this generation. All of those things have been restored. And now we can see that all this stuff may happen, will happen, probably happening, probably already going on. But this opens the door for the demonstration. It opens the door for the reality of God to be seen in a new way. Come on, you've experienced the reality of God in a way that you hadn't experienced it before. Was that six months ago, six years ago, ten years ago? Why? Because that door got open. The open heaven is open. We can't close it. And so when you read this, it tells me these are signs that I can watch for in my world. So in my world, I run a business and I operate a ministry, right? So in my world, what begins to happen? One thing that begins to happen ministry-wise, people begin to start having problems they can't solve. I'm not even talking about people that go here. Listen, I'm just trying to equip you for people out there. You may have problems that you can't solve, but I'm just saying. <laughs> and, and people don't even go here, find out about us. And they're like, hey, oh, can you help me with this problem? And guess what? I can help them with that problem. Why? Because I was expecting you. And so come over. I've got like four appointments this next few days. 
Come over and let me demonstrate the reality of God to you. Now, how do I demonstrate the reality of God to them? I tell them all about themselves. And they sit there and go, how did you know that? He just told me. I don't know it right now. They're not here. I mean, that's the great thing about God. He doesn't waste my headspace with other information I don't need. So if they don't come, right? I don't have to, I don't have to know it. I mean, you would be amazed at how little my brain remembers. I mean, every now and then I watch a little show with the girls and, you know, you know, one of those things I hate right now is that show that just goes on and never ends. You know, like, like instead of just sitting down and watching an hour and a half movie, now we have like a show that's three seasons and an hour per show. I'm so lost by the next week. So, you know, they're like, hey, let's watch this show. Okay. And then they're like, okay, remember what happened last week? I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I remember. And we'll be watching it and I'll be like, do we know her? And they'll be like, she's been in 12 shows. I'm like, right, right, right. Because my mind doesn't operate like that. It's, I'm telling you, I'm so captivated by the architectural plan of the supernatural that, that I see that so much quicker, like the metaphors. Cece had several dreams this week. And as soon as she started telling them, the metaphor pictures just stopped. It's just like a movie in my head. And I remember that more than I do some show I watched. Why? Because it relates to what my calling is. That show's stupid. <laughs> it has no, I have no room in here to keep it. And so in this process, as we're growing in our gifts, we figure out who we are by how we interact with the Holy Spirit, how we interact with people. So if you're extremely judgmental, I know that's not anybody in here. You, if you would flip that judgment into what? What's the opposite of judgment? It's not mercy. What's the opposite of judgment? It's truth. But see, my truth has to be shaped in a way that someone can hear it. Or otherwise, I just run around and judge everybody, and I'm like, I know stuff. I see you. Yeah, you're just Captain Obvious is all you are. And see, my gift has to run through the love of God, or it would come out sounding just like judgment. And I'd be serving up something that I, it wasn't, it wouldn't even taste good to anybody. Nobody's going to buy that. And see, what Jesus is trying to show us, what it, the reason why I feel like he told me this is that there are people whose hearts are cold and it's because they don't know the standard. It's easy for my heart to grow cold when I don't have a connection to what made me. When I don't have a connection of why I'm here, all I think about is why I got hurt. Well, where were you, God? Most of the people I counsel with, they, they've got to go through forgiving God. Why? Because our number one question of humanity is, where were you when I was in pain? Where were you when something bad happened to me? That's the number one question. And when we realize that 
God put mankind in charge of the earth. I wish I could preach on this tonight. I got to stop talking. But when we realize that he put mankind in charge, then it's easy to forgive what's what Jesus demonstrated. He said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Just because someone didn't know how to train you doesn't mean that you're not trainable. Just because someone didn't know your gift doesn't mean you don't have a gift. And so I, uh, uh, for this, let me end it with this. For this month, he revealed to me that, you know, it's obviously Valentine's is this month, but that's another cultural norm that I want to change in your life. This is the month where our love becomes a verb. You know, I really appreciate Phil. Phil and Pam work together on needs of our little tiny intimate group here. But I love Phil because he can do a lot of stuff. He can come and fix your plumbing. He can fix your car. He can, uh uh-huh. He can, and and what does he want to do? He wants to show you how, if you want to know. And so when you have something break, it's a wonderful opportunity for his love to be a verb. Now, I don't think he knew he knew so much. I've known him since he was 17. I don't think he knew he knew so much. But now when he sees a problem, he's like, oh, yeah, I can fix that. And that is, doesn't that feel good that there's... And so in, let's turn to First John real quick. In First John, this is our scripture for the month. It says in verse 8, the reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Kill, steal, and destroy, right? So Jesus was revealed to undo that. So that means that there was a doing. And now he's undoing. And guess what he uses to undo the works of the devil? You. And it says, this is what it says. We uh, verse 14, let's just do 14. So we can be assured that we have been translated from spiritual death into spiritual life because we love the family of believers. A loveless life remains spiritually dead. See, here's the difference. He gave us a target, the family of believers. What messes most prophetic people up is that your gift is meant to be used in the covering to minister to the equipping of the saints. Every prophet I've ever met wants to rescue the sinners. I could help you here if you let me. And we waste time and energy on things we're not called to do. Sure, we're all called to bring salvation i get it but the problem is we get hijacked because we try to spread what we call love around to every destination when really he gave us a target and that's that's my challenge this month is that we take this scripture that we've been translated from spiritual death into spiritual life because we love the family of believers. A loveless life remains spiritually dead. You can read the rest of 1 John 3. It's super good. But that's what I want our challenge to be this month. One one last thing before Cece comes. Verse 20 says this, Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty, 
and reminds us of our failures. Anybody had your heart do that? Don't you love it when your heart does that? Now you know where it's coming from. We know, say I know, know. that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And He knows everything there is to know about us. In the footnote, it says this, there's a higher courtroom for the human heart. It is where grace is enthroned. This is the year of grace empowerment. The very worst that is in us is known by God. Ha! (laughs) Why are we hiding? And He still showers us with mercy, love, and acceptance. This is the greatness of God's grace. That's the empowerment, is to know there's a higher courtroom than your own heart. He sees beyond the sin of the moment and sees the holy affection of love in those who refuse to turn away from Him. I promise you, if you embrace this chapter this month, if you embrace this challenge this month, there is going to be an empowerment of grace. It will transform you when you give to the family of God. It will transform you when you do something that is that you hadn't thought of before. I love Pam. She not only talks to Phil about helping Jackie and Gwen, she talks to Jackie and Gwen. Well, you know what Phil likes. He likes to eat. So if he's going to be coming over, don't you love Pam? And she puts all those puzzle pieces together because why? It keeps the whole thing going. And so then the guy gets to eat and he's like, oh, okay, this feels good. Do you see that's that's love? When we actually aren't, we, we actually are called to be inconvenienced when it comes to the family of God. Some of us are weary from giving love to people who took advantage of us and we decide we weren't going to love anymore. But that's not what God called us to do. Come on, Cece. Thank you, Tisa. It was such a good message. Such a good message. Wow, you know, um, I see how this connects to the word of the year so much. When Tisa was reading that Matthew 24, if you look back at what she read in those couple of verses there, it looks like we have two choices about what kind of person we could be. We could be one because either way, we're all in this situation where some of those bad things are happening, right? There's persecution, people are being killed, there's wars, all of that stuff. Um, that's not just relegated for a certain group of people. We're all in the mix, right? So I'm seeing that we could either be the people whose burning hearts turn cold. You know, we could be sitting here today and think we're on fire for God, but the circumstances of life can turn us, turn our hearts cold. Or we can be the people telling others about God's glory, about being the demonstration of God's goodness to the nations. So that's two different outcomes, you could say, of how we process the difficult things of life, which doesn't that remind you of what the word of the year, part of the word of the year. So even I just want to mention to you, Isaiah 55, five, remember, was part a big part of the word of the year. And um, it said, I'll read it back to you again. Look, you will summon nations you've never heard of. Nations who have never heard of you will come running to follow you because Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel has glorified you. So we're talking about summoning the nations there. Nations are going to come running to follow us. And in Matthew 24, it would be that we were 
through it all, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. So do you see the connection there? So how is it? Isaiah 55, 5 actually says how we could be the ones who do the demonstrating instead of the turning cold, because it says, Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel has glorified you. That's the key, is he's glorified us. And so we learned in the word of the year, right? How does he glorify us? He glorifies us by actually operating in those places of pain, in those places of where we've been harmed or we have disappointment and all of those things. He actually takes those and turns them into gateways for us to be resurrected and upgraded to be glorified. That's being glorified. We become the trees of life, right? By being glorified. That's a glorification by him. And we can't do it ourselves. He has to do it for us. And so I want to share another word that we almost included this in the word of the year that I got at the end of middle of December or so that is yet again, I realized another way that Papa wants to make sure that you hear that he has a plan to, to handle every difficult thing that comes your way. So he's on one hand, he's so good. He's so good. He's such a good father, such a good parent. Cause he's like, here's the plan. Here's what you're going to do. Here's how great you're going to be. This is all the great stuff you're going to do. Go, 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 go. And don't worry. I've got it when this bad stuff happens. And this is what you can trust in, you know? So he, he just, he, he does it on both sides. And I love that. So this was yet again, I realized another word where he was speaking to, um, things that feel broken in us. So what, no matter how that's happened for me, this was a particular moment where I was feeling, um, the brokenness by being disappointed by people in my life that were supposed to be for me. Okay. But there's lots of ways that we get disappointed by people and that we get harmed by other people in life. So let me read this over you and we, you will hear a, um, hear what Papa wants to say. This is all him. Um, and he so wants to be heard in this way. So he said, daughter or son, I put my finger over the cracks that leak. It's funny to me now that you brought up that story about the porcelain, the little sculptures, you know, the Joyce Meyer story about the pottery. Cause that's, this is, that goes with this. <laughs> Didn't plan that daughter or son. I put my finger over the cracks that leak that allowed injustice and harm to come to you. I stopped the leak, filling the gap with my own tears for the harm to your sensitive heart. The flow of my love, of my heart's response to your pain, to your loss, is far greater than that which seems to have leaked out through your brokenness. What has been lost through the brokenness is no match for what flows from me to you. I know it hurt. I know it was painful, but I'm here to make it all better. You should never have been cast aside that way or neglected by those you thought were for you. But I can heal and restore and even redeem every broken place. When those meant to represent me cause harm, it leaves a mark. It touches a deeper place than some might think because you innately associate them with me. I know how deep this goes. All the more reason I am provoked to bring justice in gold. I love that line. I am provoked to bring justice in gold. He said, I step into the jagged, cracked, fractured places on full display. 
I show myself strong in that very place, shining brightly with all of my glory. Can you see it? Do you perceive it? Have you seen the glow of glory in your place of pain? He's really asking you this personally. Have you seen that? Have you sensed it? Have you felt it? Have you experienced it for yourself? He said, I am more than a concept. I am more than a picture in your mind. I am a tangible expression waiting for your touch, waiting for your heart to interact with mine. I am so much more than what you have known. I am more real than the ground beneath your feet, the air that you breathe, the colors you see. I am all of these things and more. What you call reality is but a taste of me. You see in part, but I am available to be known in full. So he's really wanting you to get tonight that he wants you to hear of his goodness and not be satisfied with just hearing it. He wants you to experience it for yourself. And he says, I am here and available to be known in full. I am filling you with my very own heart, filling in the gaps of all you've known in every broken and underdeveloped place. I am more than a concept for you to hope in. I am divinity present before you. He said, would you let go of what you've known in order to feel me? Would you lay down what you've clung to about me to actually experience me? I am gushing forth with a power of love beyond your ability to perceive. The full power of original love has been released over you, over you. You are the object of my affection, the focus of my attention, the reason for the guttural cry of love within me. You, you are my reason. I know that disappointment and betrayal by those around you brings pain. I know that they fail to live up to my name. That's why I came. So my child, you are not without, you are not lacking, you have not been abandoned, you are not relegated to a life just surviving, because I am here, and I am here on full display, eager and awaiting our connection today. He said, come and taste the greater thing. Come and see what those people were only representing. They were but a shadow, a foretaste of me. They were but a symbol of my reality. I am here waiting for you. I am here ready and willing and longing to be one with you. I will fill every gap, every crack, every place of lack, and you will glisten in the sun with radiant glory as we become one. He said humanity was never meant to be perfect. It was meant to be perfected by union with me. You as my people, me as your God, not apart, but together as one. A glorious combustion of divine pleasure. He went on to say that you're not on a race of survival. This isn't, it's not about a race of survival attempting to reach the finish line with just a faith that barely survived. This life is not about a service towards some greater cause, asking for your sacrifice in order to please a distant God. 
He said, won't you see with me today? Won't you hear what I'm trying to say? It's always been about me with you. It's always been about us becoming one, a marriage of divine proportion beyond anything man can imagine. He said, that's why scripture says that all things can be turned to good for you because it was never actually about the things, the flawed, dropped, broken things. He never actually needed them to be whole or to be functional. I, he said, I only desired to be bonded. He didn't need you to be unbroken. He didn't need you to be perfect. He actually just wanted to be bonded with you. That's the whole point. That's what's important to him. And he said, there's no better glue than my glory. So he said, hear my heart today in a brand new way. Set your sights on the higher thing, being restored to your former state. Remember, word of the year, healing the sting of all that pain is not the height of the wholeness I bring. I have come to make you new, a brand new creation made out of me and you. And said, well, if you want to go ahead and put up that slide, I thought this was incredible imagery. This word reminded me of something that um, we've talked about here before, but it's an ancient Japanese um, art form for repairing broken pottery. It's called kintsugi. Kintsugi, and I think the picture that we have up there is an example of kintsugi. This was like a, a statue that was broken and pieced back together. Now, kintsugi in Japanese can actually be translated to golden journey. That is God's plan. Talk about being glorified. Can you? This is the imagery of what he was saying. Like all your brokenness, he's like, it's no ma- It's not a problem because I'm going to fill all the cracks with golden glory. I'm going to. He's going to bring justice in gold. Justice in gold. So every place where you were harmed or you were hurt, you were you were harmed in some way, you were broken in some way, he just fills in that place and makes it more beautiful than it ever was before. When you look up kintsugi, just the description of the thing in the natural with the pottery, it says, rather than rejoin ceramic pieces with a camouflaged adhesive, the kintsugi technique employs a special tree sap. Okay, there's a reference to the trees again. That's fun. It employs a special tree sap, lacquer, dusted with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. Once completed, beautiful seams of gold glint in the conspicuous cracks of ceramic wares, giving a -a one-of-a-kind appearance to each repaired piece. This unique method celebrates each artifact's unique history by emphasizing its fractures and breaks instead of hiding or disguising them. That is what God is wanting to do with us. That's why any and no weapon formed against us can harm us because whatever harm came to us, he just turns it into something more beautiful. Again, you get an upgrade. No weapon can harm you because harm becomes an upgrade. It's so incredible. So it's not about trying to disguise them or hide them. It says that, in fact, Kintsugi often makes the repaired piece even more beautiful than the original, revitalizing it with a new look and giving it a second life. And so that's a picture of what he is doing in us. That's a picture of what he's doing. He's actually this person, this person that's been all the has had his 
has been glorified with his gold, where they've received and experienced justice in gold in this way, is a demonstration to the nations of the reality of God. When you are, have gone through stuff in life, and he comes in and he fills all those broken things with those broken, cracked places, all those ways, when he fills that with gold, you then become a demonstration to the world around you of the reality of God, that he is here, he is present, he is alive and active and breathing in this time, and he has such a compassionate heart for us and such a plan and a destiny for us. So this is how we become glorified. And again, this just speaks to the perfect plan of God that just, we talked about it in the resurrected eyes word. There is nothing that can happen in your life. No, no pain, no, no um, destruction, no harm, no brokenness, no failure that he can't redeem. But redeem is not just what we thought it meant. Redeem isn't just restore you back to what you were. Redeem means he will make you an upgrade in that place. You get upgraded in that place. We become glorified, just like it says in these verses. And so that's how we do what Tisa talked about tonight in Matthew 24. Instead of our hearts becoming cold, they get filled with gold. That's a, we could, I could put, put out that on a t-shirt or something. It rhymed, right? Instead of, instead of our hearts turning cold, they can be filled with gold. And that's how we demonstrate the reality of God. And so I'll pray over us real quick as we close up tonight. Papa, I just thank you for your fathering heart for us. I thank you that long before we even realize that we need a father, that no matter what age we are, we actually need a father more than we ever knew we did, even as little bitty children. So I just thank you that long before we even knew you have been gushing forth, pouring out your love, putting plans in place to be there for us, to nurture us, to protect us, to lift us back up, to heal us and restore us and love on us in a way we've never experienced before. I thank you that you are real. I thank you that the reality of God is something that we can experience tangibly ourselves, that we, that is your desire, your great, great desire for it to be a personal experience. You are not a theology. You are not just a story in a book. You are not just a good message. You are a living father that wants to tangibly experience and give out a love and a love exchange. You want to become one with us. It's all about this divine marriage. And so I thank you for the way that you woo us, for the way that you lead us, even when we don't want to go. I just thank you that you are such a good father. Even when we don't know what's best, you will lead us to your love. You will lead us to the place where we can receive justice for the harm that was done to us in gold. I thank you for your passionate heart that it is bigger than we could ever, ever imagine. And that nothing, nothing can, nothing can stop the love that is pouring out of your heart towards us. So, Papa, I pray that you make this message personal for everybody. Holy Spirit, I pray that you seal this up in each person's heart and mind and that you make it personal, but you continue to reinforce it with dreams and visions and whether it's on TV commercials, commercials or billboards or conversations with friends that you bring it around in that sneaky way that you do that we so love around here. We are fascinated with the way that you speak and we will forever be in awe with the way that you speak and minister to us in a, such a personal way. So I bless you tonight, Papa. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Papa God. And we will forever, forever sing your praises. Thank you for constantly, constantly teaching us, leading us, and loving us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. 
thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay